Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, Mike, a dirt late model racer extraordinaire. His nickname is Superman. So go figure. In 2022 alone, 81 races entered, 24 wins, 55 top 10, 69, no, 55 top fives, 69 top 10s, over $2 million in season earnings, which is also why he's known as the $2 million man. XR Super Series champion, Eldora Million winner, and big news, Mike just announced, he will drive for Colleg Racing the number 13 Nutrient AG Solution Chevrolet in the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway Sunday, April 9th. So we got a lot to talk about. From Blairsville, Georgia, Jonathan Davenport joins us. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Say hi to Mike Wallace. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate it, Mike, Mark, everybody. Uh, it's, uh, it's awesome to be on. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, and we appreciate it because uh, as we were talking the other day, you know, I mean, you're the man right now, dude. You've been the hero in uh, dirt racing for many years. I need to ask one question first. Where did Superman come from? Did somebody <laughs> just throw that to you? Did you guys decide to make a name up, or how did it work? Uh, well, I, I wish I could answer that uh, and, and know all the facts about it because I really don't know. I get that asked a lot. Um, as far as I know, really, um, one of my graphics people used to have a Superman logo in their actual uh, graphics logo. And then he started putting on my car and some things happened at a track one night. And I think the announcer started calling me that and it kind of stuck. I think um, I really couldn't tell you exactly where it originated from but it it wasn't nothing i made up well it fits you perfectly man i would like superman's the greatest in in the country you gotta you, know? you gotta have a big s on yeah. your fire suit yeah you we've know? got a little one down on the belt line it looks <laughs> like it? There. okay yeah. i see it yeah, yeah. so uh, it's good for t-shirt sales <laughs> if nothing else so john oh, the kids love it yeah yeah now i haven't seen you do it but do you put a cape on now and then and walk out for driver intro or walk down the front straightaway with a superman cape on 
Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Pull a Ric Flair on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So t tell us a little bit. Let's get into the colic thing. We're going to get into your career in just a few minutes, but I really am excited about your opportunity to run the NASCAR Cup race at Bristol. I, uh, you know, I was a dirt racer back in the day myself, and to get an opportunity to prove to the world that you're good enough to deserve it is big. So um, t tell us your thoughts and how that even come about. How did Jonathan Davenport, uh, we know your capabilities on dirt racing is phenomenal, Probably a hell of an asphalt racer, too, in the right equipment. But how did you get hooked with Colleague, and uh, how did you get this opportunity? Uh, well, Nutrient Ag Solutions have been um, a sponsor of mine ever since Nutrient Ag was a company. Back before then, um, there was a company, a couple of companies merged. Crop Production Services being one was a, was a, uh, a partner of ours, and then uh, they become Nutrient Ag Solutions. So since the that that was the start of the company you know we've been partners with them so now they're partners with colleague Grayson and aj amendinger through the xfinity series last year and they did a few things with ross chastain a couple of years ago and uh maybe jeb burton but um it's really stuck here at colleague Grayson. and um you know we, we had a huge year last year so we started working on things back last october november trying to get everything put in place and uh it finally worked out for you know this awesome opportunity to be with college racing and chevrolet to run the cup car at bristol yeah well we're all excited for you i i hope you know that that the like the whole dirt world and now you've convinced a lot of asphalt fans that they're excited to see Jonathan Davenport race at Bristol. So, you know, you got a lot of pressure on you just to let you know. So, <laughs> but that's okay. I got big shoulders. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> He's Superman. Yeah, Come Superman. On. <laughs> what do you got to have a little kryptonite or whatever, you know? There so, you go. so, Jonathan, in the, uh, the, the preparation for the Bristol dirt race in regards to just understanding the team, the car, fitting in the seat. Uh, what do you think about that compared to what you normally do? And ha have you been supplied any opportunities to get in the Sims stuff here at, uh, at the Chevrolet facility? Um, well, as far as just, uh, getting fit in the car, um, I've, I've got to go up and do that. Um, we got everything mocked up. I'm actually going back this week to, to finalize, everything um get back down in it again with, with my seat in my actual car it was just a a show car we done before and poured a mold for the seat but um yeah just trying to come recognizable to everything down in be comfortable uh, i'm a i'm a pretty big guy so it's hard to get in and out of those things but once i get down in there i think i'll be okay and uh, i haven't had any any kind of practice or, or any sim time yet but that is Hopefully scheduled for the future, maybe a, a session or two with the sim. I'm not sure how much I can learn for the dirt on that, but like I said, maybe just uh, familiarize me with, with the car and the shifting and all the gauges and uh, the spot the spotter talking to me. I I haven't had anybody in my ear in 20 years, so right. that's going to be definitely different. Who's going to spot for you? You got a spotter lined up? Uh, yes, colleague does have a, I don't remember his name, but they was telling me about it that he, he spots for someone for colleague now in the Xfinity series, uh, now. So he, he's going to move on over and, and, uh, help me out with the cup car. So right. back up just a little bit. Is, is NASCAR going to allow any practice before the dirt race at Bristol I on they, track? I believe they are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, you would the, think so. Right. Yeah. I've, uh, Cause it's so different. My, uh, I've been getting information on Bristol from my brother Kenny. You know, he's the honorary uh, ambassador for the Bristol Dirt Race, right. and they're going to have that one of those trackside track show and all that. Trackside show outside yeah. and all that. So he's uh, telling me what all they're doing, and uh, of course, as I mentioned at the start of the show, Jonathan Davenport's name is the head of everything right now in the Bristol area and around the race, and you know, he he's famous from his dirt world. Now he's bringing his his talent, as they would say. To NASCAR racing, absolutely, yeah. So, Jonathan, what is the uh, what's your next step to get ready for Bristol, and then we're going to move into your career. Um, just you know, I guess getting physically fit. I, I guess mentally fit 
for, for the race. Uh, you know, I haven't ran that, that long a race ever. Um, you know, just sitting there, the, the concentration level that you have to have and for that, that long a period. So, uh, that's what I've just got to get prepared for. Um, luckily, um, we're not doing live pit stops. Um, so that, that's going to help me a, a little bit and, uh, you know, just really focusing on keeping all my rookie mistakes at, at a minimum and, um, just trying to, uh, ha- have a good race. Yeah, I think you're going to find that you're going to be more relaxed in that car than you thought because they're not as erratic as the cars that you drive. So <laughs> it's all going to be calmed down a little bit. But, hey, let's let's now move to what the show's really about, and that, again, is who were you before who you are. I need you to take me back as far back as you can remember and tell your fans and all the new fans that are out there, where did Jonathan Davenport come from? Where uh, When did you first get exposed to motorsports, and how did you do it? Um, well, just, uh, my, my dad raced my grandpa on my mother's side owned race cars, all dirt cars. And, uh, ever since I was just a kid, um, our, our weekends was at the dirt track. You know, I was riding in my dad's lap while they were packing the track in and, uh, driving his Monte Carlo. So I got big enough where I could drive it myself, uh, while they was, you know, ro- rolling the track in, in the mud laps. And then, um, started in go-karts when i was seven won my first race i was ever in and dad always said i thought i had to win everyone since then so, uh, <laughs> no pressure <laughs> uh, yeah exactly and uh m- moved on up to uh uh, f- uh four stock uh mini stock uh four cylinders when i was 10 um tried to move into late models when i was 12 uh back then you know they kind of frowned upon a, a kid getting it out there with that fast a car. So after we signed in at Newburgh's tracks in my dad's name and let me race after they figured out it was me, they, they wouldn't let us come back anymore. Oh, so really? uh, <laughs> we moved on to the, to the legend cars on asphalt. And uh, I, I, I was a pretty big kid uh, for my age. So I believe at that time you couldn't even run a legend car. He was 13 or 14. So we fudged that just a little bit and um got got to race legend cars for several years there and uh won a whole lot of races in uh in a pro division all across the country with it um moved on to asphalt late models um there's asphalt late models that you raced were they super late models pro late models late models like are on the east coast here you know or what yeah they, they were pro late models we we ran at lanier mainly um, you know, we, I got to interrupt you. You know, Lanier was my first Bush Series race. Oh, really? Okay, that's an awesome. I, place. I won. won uh, that had been a long time ago. Long time ago, nineteen ninety. I don't even remember the Bush Series racing at Lanier. I, I, <laughs> I, I was eleven when they let me race there. <laughs> but uh, when you said Lanier, I just uh, I, I run third in back. my first right. well, ever race, and there was a kid by the name of David Green and Jeff Gordon who outrun me. I've heard, no, I've heard, of, you heard, of, I've heard of those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. sorry about that. I interrupted you there. No, that that's totally fine. So yeah, just uh, coming up through those ranks, and uh, it, it was a time about where um, speed equaled money, and uh, it depended on how much money you had to how much speed you had. Well, we didn't we didn't have a whole lot of money, uh, but we we had a lot of grit and a a lot of want to, but that only take you so far. So. Um, my parents uh, basically went as far as they could with me at, to that point, and uh, it, it wouldn't get us nowhere, uh, nowhere further. So we come back to dirt. Uh, my grandpa had an extra car sitting there, and uh, so I started running late models again on dirt. This would have been probably in the early 2000s, and uh, just uh, progressed from there to, uh, you know, really just uh, being a, a, a really not – weekend to weekend uh warrior racer trying to just get by you know just barely building motors blowing motors borrowing tires getting old takeoffs from people to uh finally um some getting more sponsors and helping with, with new tires and wheels and better cars and better equipment and uh that's what's got me where i am today just keep stepping up the ladder yeah so it sounds like you worked on your cars also along the way am i understanding that right 
Yeah, I, I was always very hands-on. Even from when I was a legend card to when I was 13, 14 years old, I've always been very hands-on with my car up until the last several years now that um, I, I'm not as near as hands-on what, what I once was. Um, but uh, back in the day, yeah, I, I didn't have no money to, to pay anybody to do it for me. So uh, I had to be the one out there learning and uh, figuring it out on my own. Yeah, the reason I asked that question, there's a real misconception in today's race world. There's a lot of young kids that are just drivers. They know nothing about their cars, and they act like they don't want to know anything about them. You know, they just kind of get out and walk away, and somebody else is making the decisions. And uh, just, they're, they're, again, there's a, this misconception that, oh, you, you don't have to know about your car. You just got to go drive it. But you find the guys that know about it, they outrun you every time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, for for sure, you know, but um, and and you know, with that too, today you, you can't go, you can't build a lot of things. Uh, now you you basically buy everything, so everybody can can buy the same components. But I still know how to work on everything on my car. I can do anything that that needs to be done. If somebody is uh, getting a little behind on their job, um, I can go help them out, and we get caught up that way. But I I feel like I do understand uh my racing my race car pretty well and uh that definitely uh helps me making uh decisions for setup wise so you're driving for lance landers now right what, what do they call the team is there a name to the team uh double l motorsports double l motorsports and i <clears throat> i got two emails this week when I, I put a little announcement out last week that you're going to be on the show and got a response from, of course, some race fans. And they asked me to ask you a question, which I normally don't do this. But I guess, did you have a crew chief change or your main guy decided to go do something else? And do you, any good person, it's hard to lose, but do you have a, a good replacement for that person? And I, I'm just out reading the message as I was. I don't have the name. Sure. So who? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's totally fine. Uh, yeah, so uh, when, when we first put the deal together, me and Lance did five years ago uh, in 2018, we got Jason Durham, which was one of his old crew chiefs and one of my old crew chiefs that we'd, all, that we'd both already worked with. And we brought him on board, and he's been with us leading our team the whole time until uh, the end of 2022. And he decided to, to slow down a little bit. He had more grandbabies and uh, wanted to come off the road and stay at home more. So uh, he he went and done something a little different. And uh, we brought Corey Fossman on. And uh, he, he's been great so far. You know, he, uh, he he's a little bit younger than Jason. He's, a, he's the same age as I am. But he fits right in uh, with uh, my other team engineer, Benny Giuliani. And uh, we brought on Michael Bigsby as our tire specialist also. So it's just uh, out of the four people I had um, or three people besides me, um, one of them stayed and we, we got two new guys this year. But it seems to be working for you. 2022 was quite a year. We're going to take a break right here, come back and talk more with the king of the dirt world. Jonathan Davenport is with us. You are listening to Fast Card and NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. He's known as Superman. It's Jonathan Davenport joining us once again. Here's Mike Wallace. Jonathan, we kind of got, got brought up to speed, but we need to be back up a little bit. As you were doing all that early racing with your parents and uh, working on the family car and so forth and so on, where and when and how did it come about what I would call your first break? And, and I call a break meaning getting a ride from someone or someone else paying the bills and you start winning a few races. When did that come about? Um, that was probably later on in my legend car, uh, days, really. Um, a man by the name of, uh, Ronnie Whitlock, uh, he helped me out there and, uh, he, he, he supplied me a couple cars and we, we kept his car up, um, in return and kept it set up and, uh, worked on and maintenance wise and, I was getting some help from uh, an, an engine builder named Jr. at that time, which was giving giving me my engines, and uh, you know just to uh, 
he, he was trying to get going in the industry and uh obviously he felt like if he could team up with me and i was winning races he, he could sell more engines so that was probably my first break and he let me uh ronnie also uh, bought me a late model car um that, that we raced a little bit i, I had a family-owned car and um but just never did really take off very good in that. Just couldn't. I was a 17-year-old kid. I'd moved from home down to, uh, from Blairsville, Georgia, to the suburb of Atlanta right there in Marietta. And I was uh, I was going to high school, uh, working at the dealership, and uh, trying to race also on the weekends. So uh, just trying to do basically everything myself and um but as far as uh, the, the first break, that that was definitely uh, Ronnie Whitlock, I would say. Ronnie Whitlock. So you just mentioned the word dealership. Did you work? Is that what you did? You worked in a car dealership for a while? I did, yeah. I uh, started out when I was 17. I started out in the parts, um, working back there, organizing all the warranty parts. And then when I turned 18, he moved me up to the, to the salesman floor. But by, by that time... Um, uh, when I started trying to sell cars, I'd, I I was ready to move back home. I was getting a little homesick, and everything just re- really wasn't working out in Atlanta. And so I, I didn't I didn't sell cars for very long. Well, I can tell you, there's quite a difference between Blairsville, Georgia, and Marietta, Georgia. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got to be culture yeah. shock. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I went from a single A school to a five A school. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, Jeff uh, watched the trailer and watched the. Uh, Dirty Dollar Ranch download, and uh, he says, Blairsville, I got a place not too far from there in the mountains. You prob- I'm sure you know where it is, Jonathan. We have a we have a second home in Brasstown, North Carolina. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's just one town right over from Blairsville. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sparkle Blairs- City. Yeah, Blairsville's up there between, say, uh, Blue Ridge and Hiawassee, up that way. Yeah. Very north part of Georgia in the mountains. Beautiful place. And our place is just over the state line into North Carolina. Hard to hide that there, big money. Yeah, right. There's there's a racetrack over there too. You probably used to, you probably don't hit it much anymore, but I bet you did back in the day, right? It's called well. There's a there's a tri county racetrack everywhere. Sorry, yeah. Right, and and there's a yeah. tri county in Brasstown. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, Ray Cook is the one that that uh, owns that place now, and he does a phenomenal job with it. I st- I get to go back every now and then, maybe. Maybe once every two or three years, but uh, they he always tries to have a couple of big races every year for for late models to uh, to come and really show out around that little bull ring. Yeah, beautiful. So, in regards to the career, though, getting back to it, because you've just recently started driving for Landers. When did the first big break, and who was it for when you you won a major race in a late model dirt car? Who were you driving for, and? Where where did you win those? Because you've you won Eldora what five times now, so this had to go back a few years. Yeah, definitely. You know, probably uh, you know, probably my my first what I call big win would have been um, I was driving um, mine and my dad's car, but I was uh, getting help. Finally, someone sponsored us an all aluminum engine. We was running trying to run super late model with steel block engines, and uh, it just just wasn't working out but we was doing our best and so i won a southern all-star race and then um that's when i kind of got uh more known i guess you could say and uh some people from right there in uh in in brass town uh helped me out a little bit that on ray cook's car cheryl and brownie brown and they uh they sent me up to north carolina to drive with david reagan david smith i'm sorry for for a week and uh, then I, I got the Hamricks ride um, up here in Gaffney. And then that's when I, I really started traveling for the first time with uh, Kelly Hamrick and uh, Hamnitz of Gaff, Gaffney car. Yeah. So when, when in the dirt car world today, when you use the word traveling, uh, your team, most everybody's got like a toter home, double stack trailer, triple, whatever. Do you ride in the truck and trailer, or do you get? Do you have some other way to get to the racetrack, or do you even go to the shop any, at this time? Well, right now our shop is based out of um, Batesville, Arkansas, so I'm I'm ten hours from the shop where I'm at. Yeah, so, so that's kind of yes, crazy. I do go to the shop some. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but Batesville, really Arkansas, is. that's Mark Martin, Mark Martin, and Larry Shaw. Larry built me some yeah. dirt cars back in the day. I spent. 
I spent weekends in Batesville trying to finish a car oh, yeah. to get it back home. <laughs> I, I understand that. Party well, my, city. <laughs> my, my car owner, Lance Landers, yeah, he was he was partners with Mark Martin and all the Mark Martin dealerships. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so Lance ran the dealerships and was partners with Mark Martin and just recently bought him out in the past couple of years. So that, that's where that tie comes in. Um, but, yeah, so I mainly, sometimes I'll, I'll go to the shop and uh and help with them obviously if they get behind on work detail but i mainly either fly to the track or i'll drive or i'll i'll go up to say uh longhorn chassis and ride with the the 39 paler motorsports team that's got tim mccready driving for them so that's two and a half hours from me uh i just hitch rides everywhere do you really well wow, that's cool oh yeah so, <laughs> save all that money and not run every weekend you know <laughs> Buy him a beer on the way home. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. So when he started winning uh, at Eldora, the gentleman uh, Rumley that you, that got Kyle Larson's car now, I I understand you drove that car. It looked like it looks the same way to me. Yeah, did how how was your experience with Rumley? Um, me and Kevin's been friends for a really long time. I actually drove for him on two different occasions i started driving for him one time way back in 2009 uh when i was driving for uh bear transport and i, I split time with bear transport and kevin rumley and then that, that led me into the barry right house house car ride and then um after that stint i come back um went to drive for clint Boyer after the barry right house car ride and uh we only stayed there for a year then I took another ride. I was bouncing around rides there for a while. And then I finally landed back with Kevin in 2014. And um, we we hit it off. He, he had just designed a new chassis, the Longhorn chassis, the year before. And so they were really just uh, getting going with it. And then that was the second year on it, 2014. And then in 2015 is uh, when we had a, a, our absolute great season there and where we won a won a whole lot of races and together and started winning crown jewels together. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So as you went from Kevin Rumley and uh, you know, we've heard Kevin's name a lot in the dirt world tied to, you know, Kyle Larson right now driving for him. It's amazing how names just seem to pop up Jeff, but the guys have been around forever, but right. they just, there's a connection so, there. Yeah. You know, between all of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I've been talking to some people and it's like Jonathan's name. It's like, Man, where did he come from? It's just like he come out of nowhere. And it's like, well, <laughs> there's a story somewhere that he's a 15-year overnight success, I guarantee well, there, you. Well, <laughs> there's no such thing as overnight success. It's overnight recognition. Yeah, okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah, that, that's a good way to look at it. No, we, uh, we, we, we all earn our battle wounds at some point when nobody knows about it. Yeah, so tell, tell people about the road. Being on the road dirt racing, is that is it fun? Is it just racing? And you guys, you and your team or your compadres on the road go out and have some fun now and then? Or what, what's what's it like? Uh, sure. I mean, we, and I know, we don't throw yourself every now don't and then. throw yourself <laughs> under the bus and don't get caught. Oh, nothing anything. incriminating. <laughs> yeah. Everything you say can and will be used against you. Yeah. Oh no, it's <laughs> not totally by us, fine. but your wife will probably listen to this tonight. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, well hell, she she goes with us sometimes. Okay. So no, um, no, it's uh, it, it's it can be tough and grueling on the road. You know, we're uh, um, it's now a job instead of a hobby. So some sometimes I'm gone for two months at a time, and because it just doesn't make sense to drive back and forth or fly back and forth. Because when, when we go to our western swing, uh, we'll start out and say um, Wheatland, Missouri, and go all the way through nebraska and we'll race through four times a week and then come back up through uh illinois back to wisconsin back to kentucky and got to be in baseball arkansas so it's just a continuous now they've started doing preliminary nights where we used to qualify and heat race on friday and saturday and we would race on saturday I mean, on Friday, and we'd race on Saturday. So now they're starting to do a preliminary night. So we may do a preliminary night on Wednesday, Thursday, and then race a race on Friday, and then race another race on Saturday. It's uh, they're, they're stretching every weekend out to 
almost a, a week race now. So uh, it's definitely tough. So whenever we get a chance to uh, blow off a little steam, we'll we'll go out and have a good time every now and then. Good, good. So why do you? Uh, is it just revenue they're trying to create? <clears throat> races for streaming or the races for the grandstands why why they stretching a week out that's the one thing that i've heard so many people in years past talked about liking about dirt racing is that you don't have three days of practice and then you you race you know you just show up you practice qualifying your race so uh what's the what's the dirt world's purpose of all the prelim nights i would say it's definitely uh got to do a little bit with streaming but you know that all these promoters are our sport our sports catching a, a lot of traction a lot of attention here lately so um they've figured out if they can pack the grandstands on saturday let's try to do it on friday if they can pack the grandstands on friday then let's try to do it on thursday well then everybody's packing the grandstands on thursday so now we're going to wednesdays mm-hmm. so they're they're making these marquee events um instead of being races they're trying to make them events right so right. So now you got people that that's booking their vacations, you know, that they want to go take three days off of work and go to an event. Well, they're going to pick, pick their track in their region that they can go to and camp out and, and do it an all, all weekend, half week deal. So, uh, you know, as long as it's working for the promoters, that's, uh, that's helping us out. We're, we're getting to, uh, race two or three nights in a row and not have to, to crank our truck up and, and burn diesel fuel to the next track would you say that dirt racing is at an all-time high in popularity right now absolutely yes sir i don't know i think it's just really just from the streaming uh vantage point so everybody can sit at home on their couch and drink their own beer and eat their own popcorn but is that what they're doing but you said they they packed the grandstands so folks are coming out as well yeah right absolutely when, when we come in their region and you know it's not you know a three four hour drive for them where they're where they're getting home at you know three or four in the morning they can come and and like i said set up for that whole week now that they can plan their vacations around these races that, that come around because they are starting to be marquee events that happen every year on the same date you know i don't know i can't tell you exactly when cedar lake's going to be or i I can't tell you what any holiday is pretty much, but I can tell you Cedar Lake is always the first weekend in August. <laughs> I can tell you Eldor's dream is the second weekend in June. I can, you know, that that's the only way I, I know my way around the calendar now. Yeah. By <laughs> the races. Know what all the big races are, you know, and <laughs> you seem to run just the big money races, which is very smart. Do you go anywhere? Any what I call local shows that do any testing or anything? You go run a two thousand win show anywhere now and then, or no? About about the the only show we'll ever go to. Every now and then we'll go to some five thousand win shows that are connected to a two thousand win or a ten thousand win. I'm sorry. As long as at the same track, you know, the same weekend, and that's um, primarily just to go test somewhere. Um, but but our sport is you know very good right now we can go race for ten thousand dollars almost every weekend um at any part of the country like we just we just got rained out um they just sent a text out what we had a race is going to pay a hundred thousand to win this weekend that got rained out and so now we have to go completely you know probably 14 hours from there but there's still a 10 and a twenty thousand to win at the same venue also yeah so where was that hundred grand to win race going to be at it was going to be at Bulls Gap, Tennessee. Bulls Gap. That's uh, that's a pretty famous little racetrack. It's been around forever, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Jeff, you need to take us to a break. I was looking at the schedule. They've oh. already had, look at all the races they've already run. January, February, started in New Mexico, Brunswick, Georgia, Ocala, Florida. Good stuff. All right. We'll take a time out here. We're talking to Jonathan Davenport. We'll be back. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line with us today from Blairsville, Georgia, they call him Superman. Jonathan Davenport is with us once again. Here's Mike Wallace. Jonathan recently released uh, on Flow Racing. They did a really nice documentary. I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever seen one done on a dirt racer. And 
I thought it turned out really well. And uh, but I was more impressed at, at the plot of ground, ground that you have, and you got a really cool name on it. It's called the Dirty Dollar Ranch. And uh, your wife was on the show on that that show, and she says that you guys had already predetermined if you ever had a ranch, that's what's going to be paid called Dirty Dollar. And I assume that's because uh, you're out there making your dollar on the dirt, huh? Clever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it, uh, it it definitely fit. You know, there was a couple couple ideas that that led into that decision making. But yeah, we uh, um, I always thought that would be a cool name. We always wanted to have a little bit of land and have have a few cows on it. And this place uh, we found to come available, and uh, it needed a whole lot of work. It, it took somebody special to uh, to probably buy it that um that didn't know what they was getting into obviously and so uh <laughs> that's what we did and uh we've been putting our heart and soul in this place ever since tell us about your cows i understand you name them oh yeah i have registered watusi cows so steers man you know got yeah. so every one of them yeah uh has a everyone has a name so they can be registered with a, a world watusi association and uh yeah they everyone has horns from from the heifers cows bulls steers all, all of them have horns and um obviously uh when, when we do steer them uh it does make their testosterone go to their horns and makes their horns grow bigger so it, does that that line of cattle do they have a particular use may i say or are they Pasture art. Uh, what was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of pasture art, really. Oh, pasture um, art. Okay. I, I mean, I didn't yeah, know. No. If, you know, I, I I'm not smart enough in agriculture or things of that nature to know where, uh, you know, are the bulls are those that brand eventually <laughs> you, well, processed listen, into. Do, the, do you do you eat a cow that you name? That's what, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they're probably, probably not, do you? I don't well, know. I wouldn't know, no. but I don't know if you show them or you use them in some type of competition or whatever. You know, I was out at the Fort Yard, Fort uh, Worth Stockyards a few weeks ago. I went to that NADA show, that dealer show out there, and uh, we went down there. And, of course, they were having a rodeo in the stockyards downtown, and you've seen Absolutely. all sorts of everything. So, uh Try, trying to educate the world on still big business in texas man. on dirty dollar ranch you know mm-hmm. they get a nice place there yeah but i understand you and your wife treat your cows like pets more than than anything else in fact you said that you actually allowed one of them inside the house at one point is that true that is true yeah so we uh we, we, we had a bottle calf that uh it, it's mom neglected it didn't take it so uh we, we had to take it in to raise and it was uh she she had it a little early uh spring so it was still cold so we we brought it in the house and we used to it used to be like our big dog we, we'd take it um in the car with us and uh you take it to my son's baseball practices and there things you like go. that <laughs> so yeah but no, we uh, we definitely try to make our animals as docile as possible and calm. You know, if, if somebody's going to buy something that they want to that they want to put out in their pasture for everybody to see, they're they're going to pay more money for it if they can walk up to it and pet it or hand feed it, rather than you walk up to the fence and it runs through the fence and tries to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So where do those cows come? I call them cows, cattle, that Watusi brand or whatever. Where where do they come from? Where were they origi- originated from? They originated out of Africa. Um, so they, they was brought to the United States in the mid-1960s. Um, there was originally four brought over here, and uh, that's where you get the, the registered breed from. You get uh, Foundation Pure and Native Pure. Foundation Pure can be traced back to the four original cows, uh, uh, three cows, one bull brought uh, over to the United States, and Native Pure is some that have gotten their their papers lost in the meantime, but are still 100% uh, Watusi. Hmm. Characterized by its large horns, it says. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. We're looking, I, at, I we're looking at a picture of, of, of uh, one of those Watusi cows right here. You also have a cow, you have a cow named Eldora. Is that, is that true? I do. Yep, that's uh, that's one of my favorite bottle casts we had. We we bought I bought her to sale, and she was just as sweet as a puppy and just uh, calm and can be. And I always like the black and white ones, which are are really a, a rare 
um, a rare color for Watusi. And uh, so she didn't have a name yet. She was unregistered. So uh, I, I called her Eldora, and I, I've got a couple other um, cows and bulls that I've named after racetracks and things. But I, I've got one that's wild and crazy and definitely uncontrollable, and we named her Taswell. Taswell. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Eldora, I, I guess she's the favored one of the bunch because you've won all the big races at That's Eldora. That's a million-dollar cow right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when you go to Eldora, talking about that, because it's probably one of the – at least it's one of the most prestigious racetracks in the country. you heard about Everybody's heard about it forever. Do you go there to race those races because you have such a good win ratio with some type of different approach, or do you just approach every place you go the same? No, that that one there's a little special. Um, it, everybody says I'm I'm in a whole different mood the whole week of Eldora, so I don't know. It just uh, it just means more there. Uh, whatever, whatever you do, you know. Um, so I I try to go to the shop, you know, definitely that week or the week before, and, and help the guys. Just you know, um, they they do a great job 100 percent of the time, but. I just like to have my hands on the cars for, especially that week. And um, yeah, like I said, it Eldor just means more to me. I don't know why it is, but it just seems to be a little bit bigger stage there. Yeah, just like us, you know, in our career, winning Daytona. That's what man. I was going to say. Just, it's kind of like the the Daytona of the dirt world, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is. And uh, you know, Tony Stewart's brought a lot, a lot of more clout. I mean, the gentleman that owned it before was. Right. incredible you know but uh but i think it's cool brings that brand absolutely yeah yeah so when you say you go to the shop for that eldora week and i'm sure you go on other times what do you do i mean do you just go there to support the guys or do you go there to check the you know the what they're doing and the chassis adjustments do you you know i don't know how you guys set your cars <laughs> up uh scale pads pull down machines I mean, is that just some of your kind of helping double check or just kind of want to make sure they're kind of a just, morale boosting thing to be there part of it that the guys are all in? That's, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Real, really, the, the big part is just the morale boost, booster part of it and just not to go back and, and double check behind them because then they would think they would do something wrong. But just to, just to go out and, uh, you know, maybe – um, create some kind of new idea or just go back through all of our notes through our setups of previous times we've been there and just um, going through and just, uh, you know, just helping them, taking a little bit of load off of them and just to, just to ease my mind. I got to, you. I guess I get so worked up that I have to have something to do to, uh, to calm me down a little bit. Well, if it's one of your favorite tracks, you should have an idea of what needs to be done, right? So you're just there. Oh, to... Absolutely. Yeah. We, 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 we go up to the Eldora pretty much close to the same all the time, but our, our setups obviously evolve every year and almost every week. Um, our, our sports changing pretty, pretty drastically all the time, but you can still relate back a little bit to, to the trends that you do there. So what are the, some of the biggest things that you think have changed in dirt racing in regards to cars? I mean, so we're right up here in there. I live six miles from where the Longhorn shop's at. Or I got—I should say I have a building six miles from Longhorn. Are they the ones that are helping develop the car and you're just perfecting them out there on the racetrack? Or do you come up with ideas and have them incorporated into your cars? Or do you keep stuff from them? Do you uh, Is there anything that you run that, nobody knows that you're really running or bar angles or something different than uh, status quo. Do you really want me to answer that truthfully? Well, you know, I, I've asked the question <laughs> and I realized halfway through the question, I was asking a question that probably won't be answered, <laughs> and, but I couldn't figure out how to get myself out of it. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. No, we, so. we do work really close to Longhorn and uh, Longhorn, works close with us uh there, there are several teams and drivers that that you know are almost like an open notebook to one another me and tim mccready work very very close to one another and um if anytime me or him struggling or has ideas we'll, we'll bounce stuff off of one another for sure but yeah we're all the time trying to in, uh, implement new ideas of our own into the car 
and also but you know we we keep longhorn in the loop too to things on the chassis that we might want to try or do different um because you know we we want their business to survive too to to keep building this cars so we uh every now and then we may change something up and it could be way worse or it could be way better that's that's the only way you get faster yeah i just was wondering that because you know being around the whole race world my whole life dirt racing and pavement racing i i, I watch race cars on the racetrack and your car has a unique look profile to it compared to most anybody else it's uh it never looks like it's out of, and a lot of that is you as the driver i'm sure the car never looks like it's out of control it goes in takes a nice little set jeff you know little yaw to it left rear jacks up and that damn thing drives off the corner 200 mile an hour you know yeah. but it looks the same other guys stuff is sliding around and doing whatever so it's i don't know trying trying to inform the uh the group of worldwide fans we have on what's going on no it's definitely a skill right when you when you watch these guys power into the turn and off the turn it's like wow so what has changed in the dirt car itself over the years that you've be that you've been dominant and you've had what a, a last eight nine years you've been a dominant racer in the dirt world um, I mean, I, I've been in contention the past eight or nine years. I don't know about dominant all the time, but just well, uh, you have the last just, couple. I can tell you that absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, just like I said, just keep trying to keep up and keep having an open mind on everything that, that's evolving. You know, you can't get stuck in one place or or you're going to get left behind. So the, the biggest thing in our cars now is our platform stays the same so much. We poke such a huge air uh, hole in the air that our, our cars are so aerodependent. So you have to move around the racetrack. You have to race the air as much as you, you race the other cars now. Yeah. I was at, uh, I was at the nationals in Charlotte last year and everybody was telling me you'd had a challenging night the night before. And, uh, I went up in the grandstands high up to watch the, the final and, uh, it's like you had to hold grandstands in awe because you went to, a, I guess you're normally, a, I call it a mid-track bottom feeder. You race a lot around the bottom, and at Charlotte, you ran the top and drove by everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of uncharacteristic for me, but yet, you know, you, you can't go through somebody. You have to go go where they're not, and uh, like I said, our cars have come so, so aero-dependent. I mean, that's the, that's the farthest away from somebody else out of the dirty air that I could get. Yeah. Um, so you know you just gotta you gotta be smart how you race and even though it's something you don't want to do sometimes you you got to do it anyway how about taking your do you take your cars to the wind tunnel no uh there, there's been a few dirt lake models in a wind tunnel the problem is uh they're not they're not wide enough that we can get in, in enough y'all to actually blow the cars like they need to be hmm, okay so the downforce arrow work you've done is just knowledge of people looking at it just knowing what works and just making it all all inclined there how when did arrow start taking over i mean it's been a pretty big deal for years now right um the arrow mainly started taking over when we got our when we got our platform of our cars with the nose down and the tail up um and they stayed that way you know for several years we was left front in the air um, it was, you know, packing a bunch of air under the front and aero didn't really matter that much then because you was already up in the air. Well, now, um, since, since we got the, the correct platform on our car, the noses are sealed up off the higher we can get the spoiler in the air. That's just makes us faster, but yet more aero dependent. So that, that really started changing. I'm going to say around 2014, 13, 14, 15 area. Who, who was the guy that first rolled into the dirt track with the right front pinned or the whole front of the car pinned? Who, who was the uh, – had to be somebody that did it first. Yeah, like it, yeah, it wasn't just I think somebody just all of a sudden done it. It was kind of a, an evolving deal to where we, you know, we started – you know, first of all, we used to have a 400-pound spring in the right front. And, whoa, somebody put a 300 in there, and we thought everybody was crazy. Well, then all of a sudden now we started stacking springs that, you know, as – people start trying stuff people get smarter and we start realizing hey you know sitting on four scale pads doesn't matter anymore uh we, we don't never scale our car anymore besides the first time to make sure it it weighs correctly now we all we do is take our shocks and springs on a load machine and that's how we set up our car at actual um 
attitude. So uh, just like I said, just evolving, and then we, we just figured out that the more we get the right front down, the more we can get the left rear up, the faster we go. So you're going to Dirt University right now with Jonathan. Uh, I'm intrigued. Gonna... I can sit here and talk to him all afternoon. Because... <laughs> We're going to take a break. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're talking to Superman, and we'll bring it home with Jonathan Davenport once again. Here's Mike Wallace. Well, Jonathan, Jeff just said I was going to uh, Dirt Chassis uh, University listening to you, and I'm awed by uh, I, I enjoy listening and understanding the new thoughts of chassis work and so forth and so on. Is there anything d- other than the uh, – the attitude of the cars and, of course, the overall look of the car and all that that uh, has made dirt racing any different. Is the tracks changed in any way? Are they the same old 20-year-old dirt tracks you've raced forever? And then we were talking early on about how much more money there is or money races. And what do you think has prompted that? Um, as far as anything else changing, I mean, there, there's so much more technology out today from – from chemicals they put in the dirt that that's made racing different um for you know we had covid hit and you know it's been limited supply on everything so it's been a real battle with tires through over the past uh two or three years so that that's totally changed racing you know we but we just keep evolving to and make the best out of the situations that we have but every little thing changes our race car versus how we tune on it to to just the part supplies we get to uh, to the dirt we race on for the chemicals or how they prep it. Are you a pretty good track reader or do you have somebody that does that for you? I, you know, back in the day when I raced, you used to go out and walk the track at break, getting ready for the feature event and kind of reach down and feel it and push on it. And you made your decision what you were going to run. Is that still happening or is it happening in more detail? Um, I'd say it's probably, you know, it all goes back to basics. It, okay. It's also the same because we still have to pick the correct tire for, for the situation. Um, nowadays our tires are limited. We don't have such a variety of tires to pick from. I can remember 10 years ago, we would have 14 different compounds that, that we could have and, and pick throughout the night. Well, now pretty much they limit us to just two or three. So, and, and, and sometimes we, we, we have tires that we have to run. So uh, that takes that equation out of it, which is good and bad. You can you can call that that's reason some of the racing's bad, some of the racing's good because everybody's on the same tires. Right, right. Well, that's good. I mean, it, has it brought the co- your cost or your team's cost down any without having all that inventory in the trailer? No, because it, it really makes it worse. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've bought more tires in a tire shortage than we ever have in our life. Gotcha. So going into in a few weeks here, you're going to go into Bristol and you're, you're going to go into kind of, you're going to go to a racetrack that you've raced and been very fast at in your late model. And you're going to go into with a much tamer car, but way more media attention on you. A lot of expectations already built in. What, what, what's your excitement or concern level like right at this time i know we're weeks out but uh i'm excited for you i don't even know you that well i'm excited for you so uh and uh we we even decided there's four of us coming to the dirt race just because jonathan davenport's going to be there that's the only reason that's the only reason that's the only reason it says i i said i want to i want to see this live i don't want to see it on tape i don't want to watch it later i want to Sit up there. So I called NASCAR. They sent me some credentials, and uh, yeah, the king of the dirt Midwest, Kenny Wallace. I'm sure is going to be there, right? Uh, oh yeah, he's no, he's, he, he's hosting that pre-race show. And pre-race so. show, yeah, yeah, he's he's my connection to get to Superman. I had to get his <laughs> phone number from him. You know, <laughs> it's like don't tell anybody. I give it to you. <laughs> I said no. I just tell everybody on air I got it from you know, but. Uh, well, definitely honored that y- y'all gonna come watch me, and that's uh, definitely that's uh, awesome. But. Um, Nervously excited, I guess. You know, I'm excited about the opportunity that I'm, I'm finally getting to, to race on Sunday, um, you know, with, with the big guys, uh, what I call them. So, um, but, you know, hopefully uh, I, I don't have any predetermined, preset expectations for myself. You know, I'm just going to get in there and we're going we're gonna to go to practice and uh, try to fill everything out and try to adjust the car to, to what I like and we'll 
we'll go from practice to the next practice and then go to the heat races and main thing first thing obviously is to make the race and then once we get in the race then we will uh, set our goals higher and further from there there you go well make sure you don't forget the rookie meeting okay make sure you're there for that on time otherwise it'll make you start in the back of the here's zero. a question for you what are the differences in horsepower between jonathan what you usually drive and the cup car that you're going to drive in bristol from a power standpoint under the hood that is a good question i really don't know i, I don't know how much the new cup cars Mike, have. Do you have any I, idea? I, I do have a little bit of an idea so let's go to the dirt world first i mean you guys run unlimited motors probably make 850, 950 horsepower, something like that? Wow. We're, we're right around 980 right now. 980. So that's more horsepower than he's going to have. Yeah, so he's going to be detuned down to about a 500, 575, 650 package for Bristol. So That's a big difference. Oh, my God. He's going to get in cars, and he's going to go, wow, these are slow. These are slow. <laughs> they don't turn as good. They don't do everything. Man, they're heavier than hell, you know, and uh, – I, it might be easier to drive it, you know, than driving his outlaw car for 500, 500 miles or 300 miles, whatever the race is going to be, and versus a, a cup car, he, he'll, he'll be in better shape. He'll be fine, you know. Me. So the cup car is going to be easier. easier to drive. But it won't drive as good. Right. Yeah, gotcha. that's that's my belief. Got to learn how to shift that thing, right? It's got a sequential gearbox in it, so make sure you don't screw that up. Yeah. <laughs> and then I seen even I think it was last year there some of them were damn downshifted at Bristol. That's that why just, that's why my question earlier about practice. I mean, you you would almost have to have some practice. Yeah, they'll have a practice session. I mean, they're they're getting back to norms now, but they're getting away from the two and three hour practice sessions or the two hours now and an hour later and then do it again and. You get you get forty five minutes to an hour, and uh, I don't I I don't think that's a big deal uh, to Superman because they go to these dirt races. What well, you guys only normally get a couple laps of practice, don't you? Before it's time to green qualify, white green white yeah, green. green white checkered to practice. That's it. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll be like. Yeah, after after the first ten minutes, I'll be like, "What are we gonna do the rest of the time now?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you, you know, I've heard a lot of people, and you, I, we've had people on the show. We had Bubba Pollard on the show. Bubba's a big asphalt racer. That owns, I think they own Lanier. Or, uh, what is it? Lanier or something? Not Lanier. Sonoa. Sonoa. Sonoa Dirt yeah. Track. And he goes, "Man, I tell you what," he says, "I." Uh, I like dirt racing way better. And I says, why do you like that? He says, hell, you just go in the same day, you practice, and you race. Yeah. You know, and you go home. He <laughs> says, these asphalt races we run, we're here for three days, and then, you know, it's unload, do or deal, practice, qualify, then we race the next day. He says, we just get more races in. So tell us what, what's new other with Jonathan Davenport or what 2023 is going to bring. We, we've uh, learned about your your career where you came from how you got to where you're at it seems like you've been a racer your whole life you've uh, certainly brought out the best in yourself in the last five years or so and last year was just a monumental blow it off the chart season for you and your team um what's your what's your race schedule and races this year you got that 100 schedule race or you backed it up any to you know a 60 race schedule what, what's going on there well, uh, th this year the, the schedule come out, and it's definitely a little bit different than what it was this year, this past year. So we're we're going to be back on the Lucas Oil Tour this year, running for uh, Lucas Oil Championship because uh, they're actually going to finish their finale at Eldora Speedway for the Dirt Track World Championship. Will be the first time they've ever done that, and they're they're doing it in a uh, kind of a, a cup style um, chase format to where as long as you're in the top four going into the last race, you have a, a, a chance at the championship. So um, that, that's one thing that in, intrigued us. We don't really have to be a points racer and to, to race all year to try to win the points at the end. So we can be a little bit more aggressive on our setups and try more things and a little bit more aggressive with our tire choices and driving styles. So that way, you know, if, if we do miss one night, it's not a, as as huge a deal and a big blunt taken points wise for for the season and there, there are some some other um good races that that are going to be we can actually race 
for three championships on three different series in, in one year because none of them race on top of one another. Wow. You, you going to go for that, or what's the plan on that? Uh, as far as right now, I, I believe we might. We, we're still been, um, you know, thinking, talking through it, and just, just seeing how our year progresses. We haven't. Uh, we haven't decided anything for sure or uh, you know, dedicated ourselves to anything yet, but we are definitely looking at it. And, you know, the, those extra checks come Christmas time sure do help. Yeah, you know, and heck, if, you only, if you're trying to go for three of them, but you think you can only get two of them done, there's a guy talking to you on the other end right now, which is me, <laughs> that I'll be happy to run that third series for you in one of your cars, and uh, <laughs> I'll just take token money just for just, just to having fun, and that way you can still get your bonus checks. Yeah, well, I, I definitely appreciate that. But, yeah, we're, we're going to see how it turns out. It's definitely going to be a, a little bit more uh, racing this year. Like I said, I got a uh, relatively new crew, so uh, what, what better way to, to break them in is to race more and more, and that's how you learn one another. Yes, sir. When you get to the racetrack, however you get there, you said you had different ways of riding with people and flying and whatever. Do you stay at the racetrack? Do you have a motorhome there, or do you go to a hotel, or do you stay in the toter home with the guys? No, I stay in the toter home with the guys. I got you. You get the top bunk or the bottom bunk? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the back and the bottom bunk. Back that's the... always been my place. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So after uh, the Bristol, what do you got coming up this weekend? Where are you racing at or this week or this weekend? Uh, well, like I said before, I don't, I'm not really sure. Uh, we just got one race canceled probably two hours ago. So, uh, we're just watching the weather and, and going to see where we go from there. And then next week, um, just got to watch the weather. You know, it is March and April. So, um, we, we don't have any plans for next week set in stone just yet. We're just, we got two options to go to. We can go to Farmer City, Illinois, or we can go to Wheatland, Missouri. Uh, to race next week. So what's uh, going on at Farmer City? That's a famous racetrack I used to go around now and then back in the day. It is. They're they're having their um, I forget what they what they call it. They have it every year. Um, I've I've never been to it, but they, they always break out their first uh, event of the year, and it's a World Outlaw event this year. I think it it's a a ten and twenty to win on a Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So. We're about ready to run our time here, but the question I got is, and it took me a moment to think about it after hearing you say you're running three series. What prompted you to commit yourself to the Lucas Oil Series? Was it just that format that you can be in the top four at the end of the year and still win a championship, or is there something they've done greater this year that's exciting you? Well, it's definitely uh, that, that uh, the part, uh, the chase format and uh they've just brought more money in for all the races okay. for, for even for the championship you know now um if you don't get in that top four mm-hmm. fifth place still pays seventy five thousand. well every other time that i ran for the championship that's what it paid to win was seventy five thousand. Wow. so they've brought on a, a huge amount more money for for first through fifth place well, that's outstanding. Well, I wish you nothing but the best in regards to going and racing for whatever championships you're going to do. And then, then you have that a group of uh, just open races like Eldora. It, that that those are open races. Those aren't sanctioned by anybody, are they? Or does somebody? Uh, well, they, they are sanctioned, but they're not points races for anyone. Um, there's there's uh, sanctioned by uh, UMP Dirt Car, and but they're 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 not into any. As far as the world and the dream, but now the Dirt Track World Championship, like I said, does end in at Eldora this year. So that, that's a major change for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series. Right. Well, if the, if the fans want to want to keep up with what's happening with Jonathan Davenport, how your year is going, especially with the big news at Bristol Motor Speedway, how do they keep up with you? What's your website? Uh, my website is jonathandavenport.net. And I also have an online store that, that I carry all my merch at. And also, there's some Dirty Dollar merch on there. Uh, and that's 49apparel.com. 49apparel.com. That, that Dirty Dollar, that's, uh, I like that. I like that. You guys can be the next Yellowstone. Have a big, big. <laughs> We're far from that. <laughs> my daughter went down to a charity event in Miami this past week and met the, uh, Oh, what's the one guy's name? The tough-looking guy. He plays in Yellowstone. She was all excited, and 
I think they got an opportunity to go out now to the set out in Montana. So. Wow, that's very cool. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I would. Uh, you can tell neither of us is a big Yellowstone fan. Yeah, <laughs> we don't even know the guy's name. Yeah, Ke- <laughs> Kevin Co- Rip is what they call Rip. Him. Rip. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Kevin Costner's main guy, but. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, we, we appreciate it, man. If you, you got anything you want, tell us about your sponsor real quick. What do they make? What do they do? Our, our sponsor, Nutrient Ag Solutions, they, they're the world's largest fertilizer and seed company. Anything with farmers, uh, as far as, as seed planting material, thing like that, they uh, they all know who Nutrient Ag Solutions is. So yeah, I uh, thought it was an energy drink or something, a sports <laughs> drink. <laughs> they... Uh, that's what puts food on our table for us for our farmers love it yeah well good thank them for being involved with you thank you for being involved with us today we are certainly looking forward to following your career throughout the year and uh the world's going to be watching you at bristol so no pressure go do your normal deal and um if you win we're coming to victory lane and we're drinking beer together buddy yeah yeah drinking beer with superman and see me before that so we can pre-plan it oh yeah well we'll we'll, we'll stop by and see you but uh i've never been able to drink a beer with superman before yeah well it's on your bucket list (laughs) yeah there goes jonathan davenport you've been listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media we'll see you next week